Hello, thank you for joining us. My name is Stu Rat, and with me are my brothers Alec and Mr. Jakes. We're going to talk about E3. We did this last year, we'll do it again. We actually mostly play classic games, but uh, we figured people might be interested in how we react to this scary new modern world that's in front of us. So, uh, Alec, why don't you get us started by talking a little about Microsoft? Yep, so the first big conference of the three main companies was Microsoft, and Phil Spencer came out on stage and seemed really confident. They had a lot to show. I, I feel like he, he didn't have as much at stake this year. You know, he wasn't trying to sell new hardware, so that made it a little easier. Well, I mean, you can make an argument that they had a lot at stake because they've come off a year with very few first-party titles, and they really had something to prove. I could feel that this year, that they wanted to show that they had their own software so that as a platform, they're not just a provider of third-party titles that you can also get on Windows. You know, they have to have their own software to sell that brand. They're forming a new party called The Coalition to do first-party titles. They announced that they acquired Ninja Theory. What do you think of that? Oh, Mr. Jake used to play some of their stuff. It's been a long time. I remember playing Heavenly Sword and Enslaved. Well, they, they just came off Hellblade, which was like a really critically acclaimed digital-only title. So check out Hellblade. It's going to be their last title I guess, as a multi-platform publisher, because Microsoft owns them just like they own Rare now. They kind of had to do this, I think, to kind of answer Sony and what they've been showing in previous years. I'll disagree with you about the stakes being high. Like, I feel like with Microsoft, they've got different goals. You know, their, their main goal is to make sure the Microsoft brand doesn't seem terrible you know like they they realize that a lot of the people playing these games are also the it guys who are making billions of dollars of decisions about whether or not to buy microsoft products and so they need to make sure that their name is positive and so they can have a year that isn't that great but they can't have anything really embarrassing like they can't do Wii music or anything like that and so this year, I really thought that they were kind of just playing it safe and just kind of falling back on their existing games that they already have existing bases for, but they weren't trying to impress anyone new. But then, so I, I thought they kind of set the bar low, but then the other companies did not uh, raise it later. So I think they did impress. They actually announced new entries for the first time in two of their main franchises. We had Gears and Halo announcements in both in the same conference and I mean they had a lot to show so I mean obviously Halo Infinite is in its infancy right now we might be looking at a game that's going to be next generation it might not come out on the Xbox One platform as it is but it was just obviously an early trailer showing us that it exists so that was a big thing for Microsoft fans I mean it doesn't get more Xbox than Halo as a franchise does does that even count as an announcement? I mean, saying we're making another Halo game, it's like, I, I kind of assumed that you were. It does. I mean, compared to what Sony is doing this year, yes, it definitely does. The fact that they mentioned it's happening, that counts for a lot. I think that's what was lacking from the other companies. And and we'll get to those later. Yeah. What, what else stood out to you about Microsoft's uh, campaign this year? How about the announcement for a stream to any device? That seems like they're really, you know, continuing on with how they're going to have a lot of their Xbox exclusives on Windows 10 now, too. They're 
they're making it so you know you don't need to sit down in front of their system in order to necessarily if you want to play the games you don't necessarily need to sit down in front of their the console and play the game on the tv yeah i mean it's similar to what sony's doing with playstation now right but on that you have to have a playstation yeah in order exactly to that they still want you to buy their products but microsoft seems to be saying like we want to be the universal platform that you can play on any device that you have it really is a difference in philosophy, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think Sony's always kept things really tight, and then people say, you know, of course they can tighten up their platform and keep it restricted because they're the market leader right now. So the same thing with online crossplay. They're the only ones gumming up the works in crossplay right now. Everyone else is on board. They're out there causing trouble on Fortnite. You know, I just think it seems like an extension of what Microsoft is doing. That didn't strike me as a huge deal. I mean, I think they already want Xbox to be available as a platform on every device possible. And I think Phil Spencer, in other interviews, he made it really clear, like, his main priority is making it so everyone can enjoy Xbox. And that's just the difference in philosophy from Sony. Yeah, I mean, Sony is going by the more traditional console philosophy where everyone's like, you create a system and then you sell software for that system. They've known for years now that mostly the companies lose money on the console sales and they make more of it on the game sales. So why not focus more on the games and then make the hardware more ubiquitous that you don't necessarily even have to have their console in order to play some of these games? Yeah, it's not as much true that they lose money on the consoles anymore, at least. I think Microsoft, they're taking a different tact here that the Xbox is their platform, but they also at the same time are reassuring their core base that they're still making consoles. I think at the end of the conference, Phil made a really, really made a point of saying that we're going to continue to support that platform. Everyone's making a huge deal out of how Phil Spencer at the end of the show said that they're working on Xbox consoles in the future consoles plural like they think there's multiple consoles in the works now i don't see that s that plural the same way other people some people are reporting it i see it more as a, they made it super generic like it's super clear to me from context and what phil has said since in interviews that what he's trying to do is let people know that this platform is going to continue to exist beyond the Xbox One line of products. And they wanted to make a really clear statement, which I, I thought was an extremely bold statement, that our console is always going to be the most powerful. I don't think there's any way you can promise that when you have competitors in the background always working on their own thing. I mean, they could always surprise you and jump out with something more powerful than what you have. So that might be taking it a little far. But I think he was making a generic statement saying, you know, we're going to have more consoles, so stay loyal to the Xbox brand. And, you know, they definitely have their following. Again, I think that it does make sense for Microsoft to iterate more often and to try to always have the most powerful console on the block for two reasons. I mean, one, they just have more internal R&D for hardware you know, just because of the nature of the rest of their business than a company like Nintendo. So it makes sense that they, you know, they've just got a lot more of that built into the rest of their business. Yeah. And then the other thing is my point I was making earlier about how they're not playing the same game as Sony and Nintendo. Their main thing is brand recognition for the sake of their bigger business. You know, like before the original Xbox, whatever you want to call it, Xbox One, I guess that's confusing. Uh, before the original Xbox the OG came Xbox. out, 
Is that what people call it? <laughs> Some people. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm not going to call it that. Anyway, <laughs> the, the original one from 2001, the, the Xbox 2001, I remember a few years before that was released in the South Park movie, there's that random part where Bill Gates comes on and they shoot him in the head and it's oh, supposed yeah. to be this applause line. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, there were people at Microsoft thinking those kids in the audience for that movie are going to be the IT guys making tons of purchasing decisions soon. We need to make sure that our brand is rehabilitated. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. so that's the main reason why Xbox is a thing. And so oh, yeah. it's okay. Like, they don't have to have the most successful console. They don't have to have the biggest market share. The main thing is when people hear the word Microsoft, they need to have relatively positive reactions to it. Yeah, I think there are, there's broad consensus on that. I mean, and I think most people would agree that they've succeeded because that Bill Gates, the reason you mentioned that from like, I don't know how long it's been, 18 years ago, is because you can see that's in contrast to kind of the way people feel now. Like that would be sort of out of place now because the reason that they have the Xbox brand, people argue that they continue to support it and dump money into it is because it keeps Microsoft cool. Mm -hmm, exactly. I mean, also, Windows XP wasn't out yet, and so that made it so people liked Windows a lot more. But <laughs> Yeah, they were in a dark period, I suppose. I would say, also, I'm thankful for Xbox. I mean, it, in <laughs> in these times, like, I know you can go back and say, well, I kind of wish they never started the whole Xbox line, because you could make an argument that maybe Sega would have stuck with it for the Dreamcast, and, you know, they sort of took Sega's place. But can you imagine the game landscape now, if, if there really wasn't an Xbox console platform? Like, if it was just Windows games, there wasn't any console anymore, and it was just Nintendo and Sony, I mean... Without that competition, with having only two main console competitors out there, I mean, uh, I think that would just be worse for gaming in general, not having that competition. Well, that never would have happened, I think. Someone else would have stepped yeah. in because the market has is big enough for three players here, and they, yeah, somebody else yeah. would have stepped up. Right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm thankful for whoever it is, and I, I've been pretty happy with how Microsoft has managed it. I know I was a naysayer back in the old days, but I mean, you know, I've grown with the platform. Like a lot of people, Xbox has come of age. I Still, know. like, I, I felt like their marketing conference this year, they were playing a little more mean than before. Like, they would have these things where they'd say something was a console launch exclusive, which I feel like is kind of misleading. I mean, it's basically saying... This is going to be on the competing platform, and the only reason it isn't at the same time as ours is because we paid them to delay it. The reason they're using console launch exclusive is because their games are also on Windows, so they have to say that to make it clear that you can also get it on Windows. No, I think when they say something's completely exclusive, that's also on Windows. Uh, I don't remember any saying that. I mean, they, they came out with, you know, they were showing a lot of third-party titles, too, that will obviously be on other platforms, and I think they were they were trying to show a really high breadth of games just to advertise for the platform itself and the variety that you can get. They even had, you know, they had Squaresoft in there. We saw Kingdom Hearts 3 was the first time it was shown at this E3, was at the, the Microsoft show. And I just thought it was funny. They also had Tales of Vesperia. So we had two J-pop songs, Utada Hikaru and Bonnie Pink. They had 10-year-old Bonnie Pink song for Tales of Vesperia uh, playing in, in uh, the Microsoft show. 
Yeah, that that was really interesting. I did you notice in the in the Kingdom Hearts trailer, they muted Rapunzel's voice, and uh, she's played by Mandy Moore. And I wonder if there's like some rule that you can't have Mandy Moore talking while Utada Hikaru is singing. Why would that mean? I don't because she's also a pop star. Okay, well the the audio From was like really 15 weird. Fifteen years ago, it's probably some some kind of legal reason why they couldn't use her voice. I'm sure. Yeah, people were complaining that they thought there were audio problems during that trailer because there were no sound effects during the song. But then at later mm. shows, they had a similar trailer and it had the same audio going on where there were no sound effects and it just it was just bizarre but they had sound effects before the song but once the song kicks in there's no more sound effects so who whoever edited the audio for that trailer did something weird and kind of took people off guard in a bad way they just really wanted everyone to enjoy that song i guess maybe it was just sound issues who knows uh, but it was like that and every time they showed it i i also thought it was funny you know like I haven't played the other Kingdom Hearts games. I know you had the first one in Japanese, but like it was really weird for me to hear so many of the characters voiced by different people. And according to IMDb, a lot of them actually are the original actors, but yeah. they, they sounded weird. Like like uh, Olaf the Snowman, like IMDb says it's Josh Gad, but I I swore it was it was Seth Green they no. hired to impersonate him. <laughs> it sounded right to me. Phil Spencer did an interview with Giant Bomb a couple days later, and um, I suggest you go check it out because he was really candid in this interview, answering a lot of questions about the future of the platform. And uh, one of the things he was saying is that Microsoft is making a push once again to try to get more Japanese developers on board on their platform. And I know this is like the third time that they've tried to do this, but uh, basically what he was saying is he understands, like, you know, they're never going to get the games that are, you know, Japanese exclusive, just exclusive to the Japanese market. They're not coming out worldwide because there's no reason to release those on Xbox. Well, and also because Cave's out of business now. (laughs) Right. That's exactly what I was just going to mention. I mean, so what he tells them is, you know, if you want your international games to reach a wider audience, then, you know, get them on Xbox. So it sounds like he's going to Japan a lot and trying to charm publishers. But yeah, you're right. It's not like last generation with the Xbox 360 where there were all these arcade shooters getting released for Xbox 360 from Cave and others. They don't really have that now. They tried to do that with uh, Raiden 5 on Xbox One, but now that game is on PS4 as well. Mm-hmm. And that was the only exclusive. Like, I don't, I don't think there's a single Japanese-developed exclusive game on Xbox One that I can think of. Xbox 360 was cheaper to publish for, and that made it mm-hmm. the go-to system for those types of games. What about... ReCore? <laughs> that was kind of an international development thing, but and also no one liked it. It looked pretty good. Microsoft also showed fast start they were talking about basically the idea is trying to get games to start up faster than they have been because you know you do you take the disc home you install it and you wait and you wait and sometimes it has like you have to install a certain amount and then it'll say ready to start and then it's not really ready to start right when you go to play it it's still like it takes you to a title screen where it's loading or something like that but they're trying to use some algorithms to make it start faster yeah basically it's going to check which parts of the data are getting accessed 
first and the most. So to figure out which blocks need to be loaded in first, because developers, publishers really don't have time to organize it in a way where it makes sense for people to get it what they need quickly, because it's like an afterthought. They're mostly just worried about programming the game and they can't be bothered to figure out what parts are the most important to start the game fast. And it's just nice that we're getting stuff like that now where, um, Xbox One X loads the games pretty fast and you get games hopefully starting faster. That would be nice. Well, the difference this time is they're talking about using data from the users, right, to figure out what's being accessed the most. Whereas before, I guess they were just kind of deciding on their own, like, this is probably yep. the data they're going to need first. So they've tried to do things similar like this before, but this time the difference is they're going to use actual data from the users and, and how they're behaving when they play the games. They announced Devil May Cry 5, another first announcement in their conference. Apparently, it's not the Ninja Theory reboot that they did before. This is actual Capcom making it. Yeah, I think a lot of people are happy about that. I mean, I think the Ninja Theory game was pretty well received, but a lot of people, I think, want to go back to the roots of the series. So that's they're probably yeah. doing that to please the fans. I think there there's room for both. This one actually kind of reminded me of the Ninja Theory ones. Maybe I'm just not remembering 4 very well, but like it seemed influenced. Like Ninja Theory did influence the art style a bit. Like when I first saw it, I assumed that Ninja Theory was developing this one too. Yeah, that it it bothered me how rarely they would tell you who's actually making the games. Like in this case they they had the the director come out and talk, but still like they didn't say specifically is this made by you know a Capcom team in Japan or Vancouver or was it outsourced like you don't know yeah you have to go look it up yeah well and and when like a lot of these things they they haven't told the public yet yeah and i i guess that's not the information that they're focused on getting out in the conference well i don't understand why i mean like who makes the game is the most important thing like anyone all right, Stuart, can render we all know a what character. you think well seriously though like when you when you read a book like do you ever read a book without knowing the author or or watch a movie without knowing who the actors are i mean sure once in a while but the majority of the time you tell people that when you announce the movie or the book right wouldn't that be really weird to announce a book without saying who the author is? Well, they decided that that information wasn't important to the marketing, apparently. So a lot of people don't care, apparently, which development team actually made the games. Well, that I, I or they people know do. that people Industry care and they withhold do. it when they outsource it. I mean, and that's something they've been doing since, you know, the 8-bit days. It's all branding, though, anyway. I mean, these teams are huge teams, most of them, that have, like, employees going in and out of them anyway so i mean mm -hmm. they, they decide like which names they want associated with the game and those are the names they put out there when they're doing the big previews when they're announcing the games mm -hmm. they announced a new battle toads they didn't show what the hell it was but they said that they're making it <laughs> yeah there's no gameplay they said it's going to be like 2.5 d and probably it's going to be kind of retro style i'm guessing so the trailer said hand-drawn 2.5D graphics. Like, yes. I don't know what that means. Like, usually 2.5D means 2D gameplay with 3D graphics, but maybe they mean hand-drawn characters and 3D backgrounds or something. Because I imagine you'll be able to, like, walk up and down in some of the levels. 
I'll play it if it, it's what I'm imagining it is. We just it's just too early. We don't know what it is. It's they're like, hey, by the way, we own Rare. Don't forget that. Well, I don't think it's really being made by Rare. Like it's being made by a company called D Lala. I tried to look them up, and like the first three results were all a hair salon. But then they <laughs> they had a website. They've made a couple other games that I've never heard of. Okay, but I mean they own the the Battletoads. IP now that's the important thing because they own rare is it though <laughs> <laughs> i think that was their point with the whole conference like hey we've got our own games and it it's going to take a lot to answer what sony See, it's interesting like as someone who who um doesn't play like i own an xbox 360 but I, i'm not a huge xbox person like to me um it really felt like they were on defense where they were just constantly saying Hey, you can play all these games on our system too. They're not exclusive to the to the PlayStation. We're going to announce them here because they're on both. And then the exclusives all felt like stuff where it's just for Xbox fans. Like you're not going to convince someone, "Oh, you know, I didn't play the first 4 Gears of War games, but the fifth one. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, obviously a couple, but but you know, Halo and Gears of War and Forza like they they've got their fans that already exist and if you don't care now, you're, you're they're not going to convince them, I think. Yeah, maybe younger people who were maybe too young for them. <laughs> maybe people yeah. who were too young for the games when they came out before, that's about it. I think they just whipped up the audience really well with all the new announcements. I think that was their goal for part of it. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I think like the presentation probably came across better than the other two companies. And it was, it was more of a traditional. Forza Horizon, they've already done... North America, they did Europe, they did Australia, so I was predicting a new continent this time around. So I was thinking they were going to do South America, number one, or maybe Africa. So I was surprised that they went to England. Playground Games, which Microsoft owns now, that's their home turf, so I'm not sure why they picked it, but apparently it's a good choice for showcasing the four different seasons that they're now going to have in the game. I, I was curious about that because, you know, in the presentation, they made it look like the people were playing, but then they made the season change instantaneously without loading. And so I was really curious, is that actually yep. going to happen instantaneously in the game? Yep. They have gameplay footage out now. They had it out. They were showing it on the floor and they have an intro level like they always have in the Forza Horizon series where it's going to show it changing transitioning from the seasons it's going to do all four seasons in the intro kind of like how in forza horizon 3 they let you play all the different types of vehicles in the intro stage it's transitioning mm -hmm. to all the all the different seasons and they were able to do that in real time somehow they had some camera tricks to maybe make it so that you know they could load it in but it, it's pretty seamless i imagine i think they said that in the real game it's not going to actually do that mid-race outside of the intro but I, it sounds like you'll have some way of like cycling the seasons or it'll change depending on the event or something. It'll be interesting. I want to see how they handle it because usually Forza Horizon, they set it up story-wise like it's just one summer where they had the event going for a number of weeks or something. But then they usually have so many events like by the time you're done with all the dlc and stuff he's like this is one long festival did this go like all year or what <laughs> what's happening so i wonder like how they'll handle it like the timeline usually it's supposed to be happening in one year so maybe they'll just be saying like oh let's jump ahead to like later in the season and then we'll go back or, or something i don't know well i'm curious how they'll they'll handle it from a user experience where 
are they going to say the first month that you have this, it's always going to be summer? Is it going to change out daily? Um, a lot of the time when you've got those games as services, I end up, you know, moving on to something else before they give me all the content that I paid for. I didn't get that impression at all. I mean, I think they were showing off the transitioning and the comparison between the different driving experiences. So I, I doubt they would do that. It really looks like they're showing it off the same way, the same way in other games. They, they you can said cycle that it's always going to be night. the same season for every player at the same time, and that there would be events that are in real time, and all the all the yeah. players can join in yeah. together, and it's this social thing. But just for yeah, that, yeah, event. yeah. So always, mm, so you think if okay. you've played enough Forza Horizon, it's easy to see how they'll do it. It'll just like it'll just go whoosh to another camera view, and it'll suddenly be another season before the event. I would want to make sure that it's not one of those situations no. where it's like, I don't play at 5 a.m. and so I no. never see this type of content or I moved on to another game after two weeks and then... I guarantee you it won't be that. One thing they are doing that I'm really happy about this time is apparently there's a performance mode if you own the Xbox One X. And it sounds like they're really trying to make this one, like they they developed it with the Xbox One X in mind from the beginning. So they did release Xbox One X enhancements eventually for Forza Horizon 3, but I was unhappy that they didn't include any performance mode. So all the enhancement, all it does is it upgrades the resolution to 4K, but it doesn't improve the frame rate or anything like that. Maybe the draw distance a little bit, but uh, fortunately for this one, it sounds like they'll have like a trade-off. They're going to have a 60 frames per second mode where you can choose that and it'll probably just run at 1080p instead of 4K, and that that'll be my choice. I, I'll it'll be nice to play Horizon for the first time in 60 frames per second instead of 30. Hmm. Well, you needed a PC before to get that. I think that they were trying to really get the audience excited for games because if you go look at the Sony conference, then in contrast, they have the high quality first party titles but uh, they didn't have any new announcements this year. So personally, I thought that the Sony conference was just a mess, at least watching it at home. Like I was, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I was watching it, streaming it live on YouTube. So they have the YouTube chat, you know, flying by on the right side in the window. And it, mm -hmm. during the conference, um, during that gap right after Last of Us 2, where they were transitioning, apparently they were moving everyone to a different venue and they cut away. Yep to two people at a desk and the people on the side in the chat are going what the hell is this show the games this sucks worst mm -hmm. conference ever microsoft wins and i kind of had to agree because <laughs> i for a little while i was really confused i was like what the hell is this are we watching the conference yeah. or watching one of those well, weird nintendo treehouse things or what well hey now uh so i mean i i also agree it was it was weird i mean the the beginning they um the audio and video quality was was way lower than when they're in their usual theater setting and so that was kind of weird they started out with a banjo player and i was hoping that they were going to make a new phalanx game or something <laughs> he's the composer um, of the last of us soundtrack yeah no i i figured that out eventually <laughs> but um so what do you think of the last of us too I, I thought it was interesting. You know, it, it looked really cinematic. It looked like they, they used the environments well. But this is kind of a theme with all the Sony, all the big Sony games this year. The four tentpoles they had this year. Yeah, 
yeah, the, I couldn't tell how much you actually had control over what was happening. Like, how much of this is really what it feels like to play the game. Um, so, so that'll be interesting to see. I did see there were a couple of times when, like, a character was grabbing her and he had to, like, rapidly press the button to get out. And it's like, is that really that fun? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people had that same question, but most people, I think, arrived at the the conclusion. I think Digital Foundry was talking about this. They said that, yeah, it is gameplay. Um, it does appear to be gameplay. How much you actually interact with it, I guess, is the question. At one point, um, one of the enemies is grabbing Ellie, and to her left, there's a, a car is there, and she gets slammed up against it. So, like, her shoulder, like hits it and like her other arm and she kind of springs off of it and that's like an obviously like a really context sensitive uh character movement and it just you know there were times where i was watching it where i just would forget that it's supposed to be gameplay like i thought i was watching a movie because all of these enemy characters all had their own personality they were interacting like normally on like say an assassin's creed game if you go hide in a in behind a a table somewhere like and the enemies come follow you into a room they're all gonna get in there and they can't find you and they'll just move around awkwardly and turn around weird and and leave you know and it's not like that at Mm -hmm. all in this game like the the enemies seem to have personalities there aren't very many enemies in last of us i mean the first game was kind of like this but this is really on a whole new level this is uh, i think something all its own i think they've really raised the bar here this is where you can see sony really investing money into their first party titles and well i, just well, felt I like hope if you're this right is what i think it is then this is really like us seeing the next generation for the first time like you know that moment when we first saw assassin's creed and we scaled a building or something and you go up there and you you just knew suddenly it was that uh, xbox 360 ps3 how that had changed the game from the previous generation i feel like this if this is real what we're seeing this could be that moment for the next generation I'm really skeptical, though. I mean, it's just a trailer. We have no idea. We've had lots of... We've been burned in the past, especially at Sony conferences with yep. games like Killzone yep. 2, <laughs> where the actual game yep. didn't come out looking much like the the uh, choreographed real-time game footage that we got for games like that. So, I mean, th- we saw what they wanted us to see. So, I hope you're right. It It could be like that for the whole game, and that would be amazing. But I'm a little bit skeptical. I don't think it'll be like that for the whole game. I mean, they'll probably have some more generic enemy characters sprinkled throughout, but I hope that that part, at least, that we saw was real. Uh, Naughty Dog has kind of a reputation for rendering all their cutscenes in-engine and doing that. I don't think they really have much incentive to fake stuff that's in-engine anymore, but uh, I don't think it is running on real PS4 hardware, obviously, what we're seeing. It's probably rendering at full 4K, and we might, again, we might be looking at PlayStation 5 here, what we're really going to, you know, there's kind of that winking at the audience. They never mentioned it. Uh, seemed like a lot of people thought they would at least kind of mention PlayStation 5 in this one, because they already told their investors that this console generation is coming to the end in a couple of years, so I thought they'd at least say something like, like, hey, and we're working on PlayStation 5 without showing too much. But, no, uh, that, would they make, didn't. that would make no sense. I mean, right now, they, they still need to go through at least another year of people excited about buying PS4s. and So so you're worried they're going to disappoint people, that they'll they'll stop buying PlayStation 4. Like, no, screw this, you're making well, a new Well, yeah, one. no, no. I mean, it, there, there's someone who's like, I've been holding out, I've been holding out. I can hold out another year because yeah. PS5 is coming. So, like, keeping it vague. People were worried Phil Spencer 
had ruined that for Microsoft there that he shouldn't be so shouldn't be so honest. Well, I mean, again, I feel like Microsoft has a lot more incentive to be the spoiler because they're not in the lead right now. Like they're they're most likely to initiate the next generation just like they did with the Xbox 360. Okay. So you think they're coming first? I disagree with that because they already have Xbox One X. I think there's less need for them to advance to the next generation at this point. I kind of feel like they can use the X as a stepping stone. It's really underpowered CPU-wise, but it has a monster GPU by today's standards. So I think they could hold out an extra year, whereas Sony might want to jump ahead. I agree with Alec, because traditionally, the company that has the most powerful system usually isn't the first to move with the the next generation. Although that's no, the Xbox, Xbox 360. 360. Well, but other that's an exception. I, I otherwise I maybe yeah. I agree with you, Mr. Jates. But I think they kind of weren't happy with the sales of the original Xbox that much, so they mm-hmm. they wanted to move ahead and try to do better with the next one. And this time yeah. I don't think they're going to do that because they're pretty happy with what they got going right now and I think Sony mm-hmm. is probably going to be the one that has to make the next move. Well, that's what everybody was thinking mm-hmm. anyway, but but now you know, who knows we have to wait and see i guess yeah i mean i feel like there's there's a lot more equilibrium you know it's not like with the xbox original and, and ps2 where sony was just dominating the market share and the others were were ready to spoil it for them i feel like everybody else is like all three of the big companies are fairly comfortably running their businesses right now and so like i think we've got a couple of years left Anyway, we were talking about games where you're not sure how much is actually what playing the game is like. Um, I felt like the Spider-Man game looked pretty different from Last of Us, where it was just really obviously a lot of cutscenes. You know, there's this part where he jumps through a bunch of narrow, collapsing pieces of wall or something, and it's just like, well, that was cool looking. I obviously wasn't playing that. And then there'd be really obvious parts where he's running up a wall and that looks like it wouldn't be that fun. You know, you're just avoiding yep. these these blasts and it, it's like I wanted to play Spider-Man, not Pepsi-Man. A lot of QTEs in the sequence that they showed mm. in the conference. But then directly after the conference in Sony's live feed, then they also showed hands-on gameplay and it's really different on that. In the like real open world game, it takes you back a lot to Insomniac's last game. Sunset Overdrive, it's kind of an extension of that. Like, you can just whip around and move wherever you want. There's really this sense of freedom there. And then it lets you kind of decide what activity you want to do. So it's really in contrast to what they showed on yeah, the, in I, the conference. So it, it, it looks like it could work. I think we got to see what the real game is really like most of the time afterward. Yeah, I agree. It, it is kind of weird, though, how they, they sell these open world games with these big set pieces and then you see footage of some random guy playing it on the show floor, and he's just kind of walking around, do to do. You know, it's it's so different. But it, it looked that looked better. I think they should have showed that because that was more impressive to me. Like I haven't seen any game really mm. where you can just whip around from the top of buildings at, at that kind of speed. And it, I think Insomniac yeah. really had a lot of time to hone that and make it make it look good. I, now it looks like a really promising game. Yeah, I, I can see that. What else? Oh, there was that Sucker Punch Ghosts of Tsushima. I mean, again, really impressive. Another really impressive-looking first-party title, like the uh, the lighting and particle effects. It's obviously not on the same level with the uh, character animations as Last of Us is, but um, still pretty impressive. Like, obviously really inspired by samurai movies. 
I've got nothing no to say about it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I mean, what was missing? They didn't have any Gran Turismo and just any any new announcements in general. That's what disappointed me the most. I mean, they really showed everything that they had. They announced it, at least, last year. So we didn't see any new announcements this year. I was disappointed they didn't mention anything about PlayStation 5 or anything new. So it... It kind of, uh, they, what they showed was really impressive, but there was really no news to come out of it. Well, I mean, I feel like they they gave you new information about games you already knew about. You know, like they, they showed Resident, Resident Evil, Evil 2. 2. That they, was the they big one. They showed more of Death Stranding. Resident Evil 2, like you could kind of see from the beginning what it was going to be. And, you know, the audience just went crazy. They were waiting for that. And it looked it looks pretty impressive. I mean, it's obviously a huge upgrade from what the original was, and I mean, a, a huge upgrade from the last remake they did of Resident Evil One. I mean, technologies change a lot since they did that on what the GameCube originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it it looked solid. Like I I liked Resident Evil Four and played through that on on multiple go throughs. Um, so if it's like the next iteration on that type of thing. I'll, I'll be honest, I bought some of the sequels between there and, and here, and I, I haven't opened all of them yet. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so so Death Stranding, oh, yes. potentially, like, that's something I might be the most excited about. You know, it's something we've we've heard about for a couple of years now, but you, you didn't really have any idea what kind of game it was, and it's still... I still it's don't. still not totally clear. But it looked to me, it looked to me a lot like Breath of the Wild, actually, where he's you know walking around these big open worlds and climbing mountains and trying to get from one point to another and i've got to say you know if it's if it's like those parts in breath of the wild where you can see a tower in the distance and you say how do i get to that like sign me up i'm all for that especially if it's shorter you know if you can make something that has the good parts of that but uh it's a little more cinematic a little more condensed uh that that would be awesome yeah, I mean, it looks amazing. I mean, it looks really weird. That's all I can really say at this point. We still, I mean, we we saw gameplay, but I'm not sure if we saw gameplay, like what you're really going to be doing <laughs> besides moving around in the game. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it, it looks like a multi-year project. We might be a couple of years before we see it released. So that one might be a next-gen yeah, in, title as well. In general, I felt like they didn't have... Um, launch windows listed at the ends of these uh, oh no these trailers they had no they dates to. they had no dates for sony sony like was just teasing us again hopefully we're getting close on some of these i think um <laughs> spider-man must be almost done that one i would assume that, that's coming first. out in just a few months and tsushima maybe in a while i don't know i'm hoping something by the end of the year for the holiday season they still have time to announce that I just really appreciate with Death Stranding that it's it's a new thing, you know. So many of the of the games have, you know, there it's just a, a sequel with four or five after it, and it's just, yeah, you know, unless it's something really special, like most people tune out once you get to part four. Yeah, but because it's a Kojima game again, it's already got hype without having a familiar IP attached to it. Mm-hmm. It looks like Sony's just letting him run wild. I mean, they're giving him plenty of money and is just letting his creativity go crazy. So it'll be interesting to see what we end up with. So another interesting thing about Sony, and 
I don't know if this is more of a Nintendo thing or a Sony thing, but if you if you search for Sony E3 2018, a lot of the first things that come up are about Fortnite, where they announced that it was available immediately on the Switch, and what people were discovering is that if they had previously used their accounts on the PlayStation 4 version, they were locked out of the Switch version. And... Sony did not respond well. You know, they issued this statement saying like, well, you know, you can play Fortnite against people on lots of other platforms. And they're totally just ignoring the main point of these people who are really invested in this game as service. And they've, you know, like earned a bunch of different dances or whatever. And now they can't transfer their account onto the Switch, which maybe they prefer to PS4. Maybe they were even just playing at a friend's house for one day. And now all the the hundreds of hours that they've invested in this are locked to one console. So, you know, Sony really had a, a shadow cast over pretty much anything else they did this year. Bad timing. Yeah, and I almost wonder how much of that is like, I mean, obviously people are not mad at the Fortnite people. They're not mad at Nintendo. They are mad at Sony. And it's it's really interesting where just, you know, you've got these games as a service that are on lots of different platforms and i think this you know depending on how much people stand up to this this could really make it so what sony did never happens again yeah and people already experienced the same thing on the xbox version of the game they just had a less explicit message telling them it was more vague just saying uh you weren't qualified so this wasn't the first time Hmm. it's happened it just it was you know big in the news right now because it's really sony's fault the same thing was happening on Microsoft due to again due to Sony Sony's policy. Mm-hmm. It's just this mm-hmm. is now it's happening on the Switch. So this mm-hmm. goes back to what I was saying before. I think Xbox has a really different philosophy right now and Phil Spencer addressed it. His way of addressing it was he just said he wants to reduce the barriers for people to be able to play together. You're you're just reiterating the marketing speak there. I mean, I think the real thing is they did a better job of predicting what the customers were going to expect and tolerate. You know, all of these companies are going to screw over the customers every way they can and Sony just miscalculated how much they could do. Yep, remember when Microsoft was the leader in some regions with the Xbox 360, they wouldn't have been open to this either. They had the most closed Xbox Live network of anyone, you could argue. You know, they were the one you had to pay the premium fee for back then, so they weren't letting you play. Back when that was unusual. (laughs) It's easy now for them now as the underdog to say, oh, let's all play together, but you can see why it's Sony throwing the wrench in the works. Maybe... If Sony's the underdog next time, maybe they'll be open to it finally. I hope it happens before then. I hope they wake up and realize, like you said, that they're upsetting some of their base where they could make them so happy right now by letting everyone play together. <laughs> that or okay, so here's a radical idea. That or maybe this will just make it so everyone realize, wait a minute, what am I doing investing all these hundreds of hours playing these online multiplayer games to earn dances and hats and stuff like that? Well, that's never going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if they like the game, they're going to play it, and they're going to want to play it the way they want to play it, whether they can or not. They're going to complain I mean, if they can't. Life is a very complicated word. <laughs> like, are these, do these people... I'm just going to really upset, like go and insult the fans of the most popular game in the world it's like you don't actually like this do you yeah it's basically what you said <laughs> it's totally true they're they're just addicted and what's in some of these games should be illegal but yeah i don't want to piss them off 
No, nothing worse than an addict scorned. So Ubisoft showed Assassin's Creed Odyssey. What do you think of that? Well, like most people presumed, it's going to be kind of like Origins, but they're going to change a lot of things now. They're going to make it even more like an open-world RPG this time, where your decisions actually have consequences, is what they're saying. Because before, in Origins, I mean, you could like do one mission, and then it would like open up another mission that was related to that one. But still, it didn't really matter like which ones you did. It was always the same. In the, in the large scheme of things. So they're promising this time that you're going to have more consequences. More like probably in Bethesda's games, I'm guessing. They want you to be able to interact with history this time. Yeah, it'll be really interesting if they actually deliver on that. The other thing is they said that there's actually two playable characters and you can just choose which one you want to play from the beginning of the game. It's not going to be like trade-off like it was in uh, yeah. Syndicate. They have the same script, same dialogue, regardless of which character you choose. Yeah, so it's male or female assassin from the very beginning. Your choice. Wait, they're not they're not assassins. That's the other thing. There's no assassins in this game. This is this game takes place before Assassin's Creed Origins, so the assassins haven't been invented at all. I guess it's That's supposed to be point. kind of like the precursor to that. There's there's no assassins, there's no creed, there's no towers, there's no hay bales. Uh this is I, like playing I, Bloody Roar without any blood or I wouldn't wars. go that far. I'm sure they'll have like a leap of faith and all that stuff still. Yeah, I mean I I always get a little worried when people talk about how your your actions are going to have consequences cuz then it's like this game already takes so long to play. You want me to play it more than once to see everything? You know, just just make it so it's a guaranteed good experience and don't waste my time with having to redo things. I think it, it will be a good experience because people will feel more invested. What's been missing in the previous installments is you feel like you're just kind of running through it and going through the motions. I'm at the point in Origins right now where I've finished the story and I'm just wandering around clearing out stuff and it all just feels so, you know, rinse and repeat. So... I'm kind of looking forward to having it changed up a little, and I don't think the choices you'll make will affect that much. I think that each town will kind of have its own little self-contained story, and the way it ends up in the end will just depend on the choices you make, and it'll be a payoff, and it'll be really cool to see. But otherwise, the game looks a lot the same. They even have the same font on the screen for most of the stuff. <laughs> so you really feel like you're playing the previous one. But this one is being developed by Ubisoft Quebec, who did Assassin's Creed Syndicate. So that bodes well, because everyone really kind of liked Syndicate. It, it kind of helped keep the series going until Origins showed up. Well, I heard mixed reactions to Syndicate, but overall it sold pretty well, I think. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's time maybe to change up things a little bit and make Assassin's Creed a little bit less just like running through the motions and doing errands. So, and I mean, you can replay it if you want, if you want to see more of what happens, if you take different paths and things like that, but I'll probably just play through it once and just, and try to feel more invested in it. Thanks to the decisions I make. I hope your decisions affect the game as much as they're claiming that they're going to, because a lot of times they make promises about stuff like that, and then it doesn't turn out to be quite as game-changing mm -hmm. as they claimed it would be. Yeah, I mean, people have been using that as a selling point for games for generations. Yeah, now. it's only new to this series. But the, the graphics yeah. look upgraded. The facial animations, like when they were showing the characters, really looked nicer. I don't know if that's just because it was running on nicer hardware than I'm used to for the show, but nicer I, than I'm Origins? there's a little bit of an upgrade there. Yeah, better facial animations. I thought the boss fight on the beach looked kind of interesting. It reminded me of the Wonder Woman movie 
Um, you know, like playing games when we were growing up, you would always see how things were clearly inspired by like Aliens and Terminator. And it's kind of fun to see that they're still doing that with new movies and new games. How so? I mean, it just looked exactly like the fight on the beach in Wonder Woman because they were wearing the same stuff. They were on the beach. There was a group of people with spears. I don't know. They're also adding battles with 300 people in them. So there's like these big wars that you can participate in where you're actually in them fighting and you have like a team of people that you're on that you're trying to beat the other 150 people or whatever it is. So that oh yeah, that, I mean that's the other that's the other obvious movie yeah, influence 300. too is, is three hundred. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's that's done intentionally, but it'll be interesting because I remember like with Assassin's Creed three, them showing the battles and stuff in the trailer that obviously weren't going to be in the game, and this time they're promising actual like big wars with tons of people. Now is that going to be part of the main game, or is that just some sort of like online battle royale secondary thing? Oh, I'm sure those will be segments in the real game but you know they'll be separate from the open world and there'll be certain segments that you have to enter into in the story just like how there's naval battles that's another thing you can there's actually a ship you can get and you can board and deck out and just like you know the previous games that had ships and they're bringing that back which i was surprised about because they're still showing skull and bones that ubisoft has that on the way still which we got to see a lot more of this year Ubisoft also at their show, they were showing they have Starlink. It's an upcoming multi-platform game they have. And they've made another deal with Nintendo. This time, exclusive to the Nintendo version of Starlink, they're going to have Star Fox characters. So continuing the close relationship between Ubisoft and Nintendo, I guess it's going well. Miyamoto was actually there at the Ubisoft show. Again. Yeah, I mean, I hate to be the wet blanket, but, you know... I was really hoping the toys to life trend was was on its way out. You know, I, I don't collect those, and I just feel like it would be simpler if, if companies focused on something else. So I was a little disappointed to hear a new one entering the, the field. It's for a younger generation. They're still showing the Amiibos. All your old Amiibos will work in Super Smash Brothers. But it was a little awkward uh, that the exchange with Miyamoto on the floor during the Ubisoft conference... But whatever, people were happy to see him. Nintendo's presentation was interesting. They they if didn't, didn't really call announce it that, much. It's the Nintendo yeah. Treehouse, right? Well, well, no, no. They they've got the Nintendo Direct, and then you've got Treehouse Live afterward. It's a year-round thing. Yeah, they didn't really announce any new Nintendo games. The one exception was Super Mario Party. They only showed a couple other games that they were making Mario Tennis. Well, that that was already announced a long time ago. Yeah, I, like, I know. I know. I'm just saying that's it's, it's that's almost already, here. It's coming out at the end of the month. So yeah, so Super Mario Party was their one big new announcement and then of course they also focused a ton on Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers um, was the whole show basically. They yeah. did 8 minutes, 2 minutes of Reggie talking about Pokémon, which I, you know, that's going to be a big <laughs> that's going to be big when it comes out. It was like 30 minutes, the whole ending and it was just Smash Brothers. So I was watching it like, okay, I'm going to see all the stuff Nintendo's going to... What are we going to get on the Switch this year? So I was just watching Smash Brothers and watching it, and it's like showing all this in-depth about how the games change this yeah, time. It's like and all now that. his cape moves slightly differently it's, from before. 
it's all only stuff that the big tournament players, like even the casual fans of Smash Brothers wouldn't care about some of these details. I mean, some of it, like it doesn't matter at all unless you're like a tournament player who's in it every year. That just ran and then the video just suddenly ended. YouTube mm-hmm. was ready to autoplay the next Nintendo video. And I was like, wait, what What mm-hmm. happened? What was I watching? <laughs> was I watching yeah, the Smash well, Brothers video? I thought I was watching the Nintendo conference. So it literally, it was over as soon as Smash Brothers came up. I think you underestimate how many people are big Smash Brothers fans and how... No, I, no I know. You, you know I, like, I mentioned like, the tournament they, player. There's, there's, there's sure, a lot sure, of serious but, Smash Brothers fans. Well, yeah, yeah. But like, even if you're not in tournaments and stuff, like there are people who have very strong opinions about like each little change between the different versions and people took it as they went through to really reassure people that if you really love this we're taking all of the things that fans like and we're putting it all in there we're going to make it more like the GameCube version and we're going to have every character so you can't complain about anybody who's missing I do kind of think that it seemed like they were focusing on relatively small details and for someone who already has the, the Wii U version, I didn't bother getting Mario Kart 8 on Switch yet. I'll, I'll get it once it's discounted, or I'll buy it off of you once you're bored with your copy. But <laughs> Because I already have Mario Kart 8 on Wii U, and yeah. I feel like there are a lot of these ones where, where Nintendo's kind of treating it as the people who had Wii U's are such hardcore fans that a lot of them are going to pay $60 to get a very similar game again. And I think they're treating it as most people didn't bother with the Wii U and so were able to, like, the Wii U had a ton of great games. Like, it, it has a great library, really, and now they're selling it again uh, on the Switch it's now a that different they've got issue. more attention for it. I think this is a, a new entry into the Smash Brothers series, whereas before they were re-releasing a lot of Wii U games on the Switch, mm-hmm. this is a little different than that. Yeah, no, I mean, they said that people had to ask them, like someone in an interview said, so is this a completely new game or not? And they said, yes, we built it from the ground up, Yeah. but it looks really similar to the last two ones. And I just feel like Nintendo should be spending more money on uh, developing the aesthetics of their games and having them look different. I mean, you like you compare this to Street Fighter, where Street Fighter 1, 2, 0, 3, 4, 5, each one looks totally different. Yeah, but they have to do iterative versions of each of the entries in the series. Like, they usually have three different... Yeah, but but those are released over the amount of time that it takes for Nintendo to just do one next iteration of Smash Brothers. I, I also thought it was funny... So they'd have characters like Star Wolf, where when they announced him, they'd be like, he's been gone for 10 years, and he's finally come back. And it's like, well, so he was in the Wii version, and you skipped him for the next one, and now he's back. Stop trying to make me feel old by reminding me that the Wii version is 10 years old. (laughs) Well, no doubt that, I mean, it's just, there are lots of people who care about all these little differences, but this was not the venue for that. The problem is, Nintendo does their... Nintendo Direct all year round, and they usually do something at their Japan event as well. And it's just, when E3 comes around, this is not the time to show all these minutiae about Smash mm-hmm. Brothers. And their stock mm-hmm. tumbled after E3 because they've got all yeah. these Johnny-come-lately investors who are expecting to be wowed at E3. They obviously don't know Nintendo that well at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was interesting where they responded to the negative stock response by basically saying, we like to surprise people. <laughs> and um, Yeah, well, they didn't I, surprise anyone. I feel like anyone. the real reason is they've got more young people in their audience, and so 
the problem with young people is they don't have very much money. And so if you say that not only is Mario Tennis coming out this month, but we've got Mario Golf coming eventually, maybe it's two years from now, there's going to be some kid who prefers Mario Golf to Mario Tennis, and he's going to say, I'm going to save my money for when Mario Golf comes out two years from now, and then Nintendo doesn't get that money. So they have to have it so a lot of stuff gets announced on more short notice because the audience has that shorter attention span. Or maybe it's the opposite. It's that their attention span's too long. They'll be like, Mario Golf's my favorite thing, and I need to wait for that. So, you know, they're probably making one of those, but they're not going to tell us about it until it's closer when it comes out. I still think that they probably would have pleased their investors more if they just had, like, a sizzle reel... It could all just be outsourced CG or even just logos, just kind of reminding <laughs> people, Metroid, Yoshi, Pokemon, Bayonetta 3. Like, we've announced all these. We just want to remind you that they exist. Yeah, that's more what I expected. I mean, they delayed Yoshi to next year, and I think Captain Toad's mm-hmm. on the way. Mm-hmm. It seems like they don't have a lot of new stuff to talk about, just like Sony. Even if yeah. they had done that, I mean, they're playing it super safe this time. Like, I mean, they're doing the same thing they do with every new console. They're all like, here's your new Smash Brothers, here's your Mario Kart, here's your... Your Mario Party, all of that stuff, Metroid, Zelda, I mean, they do it with every mm-hmm. console, and they didn't really have any surprises yeah. this time. Yeah, I'm excited for the surprises, you know, like, it was really cool when they announced Splatoon, like, I don't necessarily need more Splatoon now that they've done two and DLC for the second one, but, like, something else that's new like that was new, something else like Pikmin, like Mole Mania. I mean, it's sad that I'm using an example from 20 years ago. <laughs> so that Mario Party game, two other thoughts on that. One, I thought it was kind of interesting they showed the way you'd have two Switch screens interacting with each other. Like, yeah. they, they had them positioned in different ways, and that influenced the game layout. That was something that showed up in a patent a while ago, and so it was interesting to see how that was going to be used. I'm curious exactly how they made that work. The other thing with Nintendo is, like, they were very focused on Mario Party and Smash Brothers this year, And, I mean, those are good games. Like, I I understand why a lot of people are excited about them. But I just kind of feel like the 20-year nostalgia cycle has moved past the time that I cared the most about, you know? It's Nintendo 64 games coming back now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They started this pattern with the Nintendo 64, and now a lot of the same franchises just over and over again on each console. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so like these are not just Nintendo 64 games, though. These are Nintendo 64 games after the Dreamcast came out. Like, you have to be a certain... Like, I'm a huge Nintendo fan, but I don't have the same level of nostalgia for that kind of stuff as I do for their 8- and 16-bit games. Or, more accurately, the 8- and 16-bit games that third parties made for them. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like the Wii so much, is they had so many more third-party games, and... I'm a little worried about whether the Switch is going to have enough third-party support long-term. It seems like they have enough right now. That's what they didn't show. They didn't show any third-party well, stuff. Well, they showed they one. quite a bit. They showed Demon X Machina, which looked pretty cool. I'd definitely like to see more of that. Yep. It was interesting. There was that game, which was made by Armored Core veterans. A lot of people are saying Sekiro is the best game of the show, and then there's the Metal Wolf Chaos uh, redone, <laughs> and there's there's a fourth From Software game, too. And it's like, who'd have thought, you know, looking back, like back when Tenchu and uh, Armored Core were new, 
Who'd have thought that From Software would be the big prestige developer right now? Or, or people are like really <laughs> big about Yoko Taro yeah. and Swery. Like those are the big art house developers now. Like you wouldn't have been able to predict that. I don't think. No. Yeah. Is it just the nature of E3 now that it's not as important anymore in our online connected world? So they're not going to have as much to show. I feel like Microsoft kind of spoiled us a little bit at the beginning of the show by showing so much new stuff and then setting a high expectation that no one else mm -hmm. could really meet after that. I mean, that was really smart. If you're going to have the first show and most of the games are going to be on multiple consoles and they're really going to be pretty much indistinguishable from each other. Just basically putting as many of them under your tent as they're possible. They're going to run best on Xbox. Remember their marketing? Best on <laughs> Xbox. Well, okay. you can say that now because they have the most powerful console. But I think it is in contrast because the even the people who attended the Microsoft show like said that was the most seamless, like best done show. And you can see watching it at home, like that was more what I want to see actually from all of the main console developers. I want to see their conference more like just a plain straight up old school, like here we are on stage and here's the stuff you want to see. And I want to see some surprises and reveals just like Shenmue 3, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're still waiting on some of those things from a few years ago when they did The Last Guardian, Shenmue 3, and Final Fantasy 7. I was disappointed that we didn't see anything else about Final Fantasy 7 this year. Or you know what else was, was missing in action? Dragon Quest Builders 2. I really liked the first one, and I'm curious how much they'll make it feel like a new game and not just an expansion. I would have liked to see more of that. Metroid Prime 4. They didn't show anything. You yeah. Know, they just basically revealed that they were making it last year, and I don't think it's far enough along now for them to reveal any gameplay or anything like that. You know what else Nintendo didn't show is they didn't say anything about Labo. I'm curious if they just really decided to focus on Smash Brothers or uh, if that's indicative that Labo's not going to be in the limelight much longer. I was wondering if they purposely kept that out because they wanted to focus on more standard games and kind of keep that more like in their toy line because they know it's attracting a different audience. It kind of goes to what you were saying about how it's kids versus adults and they have to kind of cater to both. Maybe they thought they should keep it separated here. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't tried Labo yet, but it seemed to me like it, it did a good job of being something that both the kid and the older adult audience that they, they tend to have would be interested in. I guess that's kind of funny to say I haven't tried it, but it seems like the kind of thing that people like me would like. <laughs> Speaking of Tenchu, uh, did you see Octopath Traveler? That's from the same developer, Acquire. They made the Way of the Samurai series as well. And I think it looks interesting. I mean, I, I liked Bravely Default, and so again, there are a lot of the same people working on that. The one thing I'm a little concerned about, again, just as someone with limited time, like, I don't want the battles to take too long. And I, I felt like Bravely Default was, it was cool that they had some new things going on with the whole defaulting and waiting Bravely mechanic, but it, it made the battles take a lot longer than I would have liked. Yeah, I like the look of this game. I, I love the kind of the look of the pixel art in front of the backgrounds, the way there's kind of shadows on them and stuff. Like, it, it mm -hmm. takes me back to something. I don't know what it, it's scratching some kind of itch for older RPGs that I have, but I, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think this is for people who want to play a game that's going to take that long. I mean, most of us don't have the time to play games like that anymore, and we just don't. But, I mean, it certainly looks nice. If I were playing RPGs, 
that are that in-depth right now, I mean, this is what I would be playing. Although, I mean, like, if it's similar to a 16-bit RPG, those are relatively breezy compared to most modern open-world games. It reminded me of a little bit of a mix between 16-bit RPGs and maybe what they were doing in 2D on the PS1. Oh, yeah, sort of like Lunar on Saturn and PlayStation? Maybe, or some of the tactics games. Yeah, okay. Are you going to play Dragon Quest XI or Dragon Warrior XI or whatever they're going to call it in the U.S.? Because <laughs> that's been out since last year in Japan, and I guess they announced they're gonna they're gonna localize it. Yeah, that was announced a while ago. I mean, it's you could pre-order it on Amazon for a while. I haven't played all the Dragon Quest games. At what point did they go from pixel art to like characters who really look like Akira Toriyama's art style? Like, was that on PlayStation at some point? That was on PS2. You know, like Dragon Warrior Seven on PlayStation 1 had 3D backgrounds and 2D characters that look pretty similar to the Super Famicom games. And then uh, Dragon Quest Eight, which is when they got the rights to call it Dragon Quest in the US, was where it was all cel-shaded, fully 3D, fully voiced, or has a lot of voices anyway. You can ride a horse on this one. Is that new? It reminded me of Breath of the Wild or an Assassin's Creed or something. The fact that you're riding a horse in Dragon Quest now, it doesn't feel like proper old school Dragon Quest to me anymore. Back in my day, the horse <laughs> followed you and You can't the have a horse yeah, and Dragon Quest. Exactly. the horse. <laughs> All right, well, so we got the old timers' opinion of this. <laughs> oh. Well, speaking of localized Japanese RPGs, there's still no announcement for a localization of Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel 3, and I know a lot of people are waiting for that. They're hoping that Xseed will translate it because they did a good job with the previous two Trails of Cold Steel games, but they still haven't made any announcement whether they're going to do it at all or not. And now Trails of Cold Steel 4 is coming out in Japan this September, which I'm really looking for forward to but as far as the english speaking players like when they're going to get to play trails of cold steel 3 even is at this point like we don't know and i was just going to say in that game you can ride a horse they have horses in the trails of cold steel games since, All right. <laughs> since the first one they got it from that <laughs> so that's an that's an old rpg series that has horses now <laughs> Platinum Games is working on Babylon's Fall. Uh, there wasn't much to show. They just had a trailer. Anyone have any idea what this game is? No, but I don't know. How do you guys feel? I like it when people announce new things. I like to know what people are working on. You know, like yeah. I mean, that's what E3 is for. I'd rather know for. something. Yeah. Then I think there were a lot of people complaining about it, saying like they didn't like having something that they felt was essentially no information. But I, I just. I wonder about these companies sometimes. That betrays what most people say. Like, most people want mm. to be shocked at E3. I think that's what was missing from some of these. At least whip together mm. a little stupid trailer about Metroid Prime 4 just to remind people that it's being worked on. You know, that's just, that's what people want to mm. see. Yeah, I mean, I was also disappointed with some of the smaller companies. You know, I mean, I was hoping to know what's going on with M2. Are they still working on Mononoke Ninpocho or, or the Sega Ages for Switch or are they doing anything else or you know Inti Creates wasn't there like sounds like Dragon Mark for Death might be getting a little rocky like I wonder if they're working on anything else is that coming along um, you know what's SNK working on besides SNK heroines and compilations the Neo Geo Mini was shown at E3 yeah mm. they're showing it it's got a UI just like the NES Classic, SNES Classic, where you can select between 40 games, which is stupidly different depending on which region 
version you buy. You can get the international version with the weird colors that they just made up and they should have made it red. I think they're hoping, part of it is that they want to cater to different tastes and they don't want to give away the whole farm with more than 40 games. But the other thing is they're probably hoping that there are going to be people who buy both versions. So I'm hearing from what it looks like, the emulation might be okay. We don't know exactly (laughs) yet. But the one thing that's not okay, though, is the stick on both the machine and on the USB pads that you can buy for it. In both cases, instead of using micro switches to get that clicky feeling that you expect from a joystick or the Neo Geo pad, it's literally like just an analog pad for both. So you can just rotate them 360 degrees. It's going to feel really weird. As if playing on a tiny little joystick already wasn't going to be weird. It's going to feel weird for people who are used to a normal joystick. It's not just a circular gate. It's actually an analog pad. That we're not sure of at this point. But it's circular. We know that at this point. And the button layout is messed up on the machine itself. They've also changed the button layout on the Neo Geo CD pads that they're including to reflect what other systems are doing. So now A is where like square would be on a PlayStation pad instead of being where X would be. So you can jump and attack like you're holding a Super Nintendo pad. But I would argue that Neo Geo CD pads were never made to be held like that to begin with. You get the angle that looks more like the cross angle you'd get on a four-button Super Nintendo pad or a modern gamepad now, but the Neo Geo pad was always like you would hold it more at an upward angle, and maybe that was just dictated by the button layout they chose, but I thought it was designed to be used like that. I feel like they're trying too hard to adapt it to what people expect It's strange that they're even using that old Neo Geo CD pad layout, and then they're using the form factor of that and then changing the layout to something else. I mean, why bother, really? I mean, why not, why not just stick with the joysticks or something? Or I guess they, they wanted a game pad to satisfy game players who are more used to pads than joysticks. That, and also I think joysticks would have been too expensive. Yeah. They tried joysticks with the last Neo Geo micro console, and that one didn't go over so well. I mean, I think... That was probably mostly due to emulation. Are problems. these controllers proprietary, by the way? Are the controllers you can't like use your own like USB game pads? We don't know yet, but I think making it so you, that there's an adapter or something to use old Neo Geo pads would really make a lot of the core fans happy because they're going to be complaining right now with the way that it is for sure. I mean. It's not for the core fans. Yeah. Like if you already own a Neo Geo, you don't need this. Do you think so? I mean, I think a lot of Neo Geo collectors will buy it and maybe just put it up oh, on yeah. the shelf. One thing that yep. would be nice, like I've been saying all along, like it would be really cool if this thing like was a breakout hit and kids wanted it or something, but I don't know how they're going to find <laughs> out about it with there's, SNK's marketing. There's no way. But I mean, it it looks cool. Like there are probably kids that say, "Oh, it's a mini arcade. I'd like to play with that." But you're right; they probably won't. They're even hoping know about for it. another product like the NES Mini that'll sell out and they won't be able to meet mm-hmm. demand and everything. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, have you seen how many micro consoles they have now? Where it's just basically now flooded just the same way those direct-to-TV games where it's like a, an Atari joystick with some poorly emulated Atari games on it. Like, there's there's tons of them. I don't see how this would stand out in the market as much as I love Neo Geo. Like, I hope it's better than the At Games Genesis they sell at Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they're making the Genesis Mini, and people are not happy about that. Mm-hmm. 
So the other weird thing about this is that I feel like I've already seen this product online. You know, like people on Instagram have made their own little mini arcade cabinets with, I don't know if it's like a dock for their phone or Which if it's are a Raspberry Pi thing. Usually much nicer. <laughs> Making an, a true mini-cade, if you make an actual mini-cade bar top, obviously you can make something that works way more like a real proper arcade machine. And plays more games too, mm-hmm. but... I don't think that's what this thing is. This thing, they said, it's incredibly light. I consider it more like a shelf ornament, really, that happens to I was wondering games. at first if the screen and the joystick on it actually worked or if it was just for show. Yeah, well, they do, apparently. And the screen is actually apparently fairly sharp. I'm still curious how much it's going to cost because supposedly they're launching in Japan this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they didn't announce the price yet. Yeah. Um, I, I almost kind of wonder, with these with these micro consoles... They kind of know that a lot of the buzz around them is going to be people who want to hack them and just use it as an emulator box. And so you're kind of just trying to create the most gimmicky box for somebody's you know, emulator project. I don't know. How many of the consumers do you think actually do that or just use it the way it was intended to be used? I mean, it's probably not yeah. a majority. But... So another one of the Sony's games that they announced before the show as part of their kind of countdown thing was Tetris Effect. Um, it looks pretty interesting to me. I mean, I like puzzle games. I like Tetsuya Mizuguchi, so I'm definitely going to get this. The one thing that I thought was kind of funny about it is in the trailer... They're talking about this Tetris effect, where after you're done playing Tetris, your brain still is kind of like logged into that mode of playing it. Yep. And so they made this game inspired by that. But do people actually think that the Tetris effect is pleasant? (laughs) Like when I finish playing a game, you know, I'm playing a shooter and I'm still like dodging bullets, like pink and blue bullets all over the screen afterward. Like that doesn't feel good. I want to, I want to turn off yeah, the game and be done and move pretty on. Pretty much with any game, if I've been playing it all day, when I go to bed, like it's still, my brain is still playing Assassin's Creed or whatever all night. And I dream like about it too. It's got to be a really repetitive game where you're repeating the same. Oh, I guess Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Assassin's Creed really get the... qualifies that. Yeah. Assassin's Creed. Sometimes you do, you're like killing enemies and jumping <laughs> off the horse and stuff. I, I'm not no, joking. Had that when you're trying to fall asleep <laughs> no nope, i wish i was i mean it, it happens really easily i think it's just a habit in the brain coming out you know you've been doing the same thing all day it's the same thing where if you have a really repetitive job yeah and then you're doing it as you fall asleep mm-hmm. or in your dreams so yeah that's a good point i mean why name the game after that it sounds kind of badass i mean it's not i don't know if it's going to be pleasant but the game really reminds me of luminous only it's tetris mm-hmm I mean, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, Mizuguchi with Rez was really interested in the idea of synesthesia. And in the credits, he says that the game's dedicated to Kandinsky. And so I think it's really cool that you've got someone who's just interested in these kind of unique sensory uh, phenomena and that he, he wants to make games exploring them. You don't see many other people doing that. Yeah, he's one of those eccentric developers that we need to have. You know, just to make spice things up and make games interesting. Mm-hmm. So Mega Man 11 was um, in Nintendo's sizzle reel toward the end of their presentation, or I guess toward the end of the part that wasn't all about Smash Brothers. <laughs> I didn't see that. Was that in a different video? No, it was. It was in the main. It was for like t- ten seconds, maybe. Oh, I knew it. I watched the wrong video. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was in there and I forgot about it. 
He just blinked. So yeah, so so Mega Man 11 is coming fairly soon. I don't feel like we learned a ton more from it this time around. I mean, they showed two stages. Do you think it looks good? It seems evenly divided between people who think it looks awesome and people who aren't too keen on the look of the graphics. It's the Mitch Hedberg joke where they either loved us or they hated us or they thought we were okay. You know, <laughs> I, I think it looks okay. I prefer the look of Mega Man 8. I would rather play that. Mm-hmm. To me, it looks like a combination of Mega Man 8 and maybe 7 a little bit with slightly more trying to look like the 16-bit aesthetic of 7 a little bit. But in the end, it ends up looking mostly like 8. Mega Man X8. Mm, X8 maybe too, I guess. But how much inspiration do you think they took from Mighty Number 9? What about Powered Up on PSP? Not much, considering how fans reacted to it. They probably avoided Mighty Number 9. I think this was their answer to Mighty Number 9. They waited for Mighty Number 9 to see what would happen, and now they feel comfortable taking back the baton on Mega Man without Keiji Inafune. I think the look of it still, it looks similar, and the fact that they added the new gear gameplay is like it reminds me of like the dashing aspect a little bit in mighty number nine now they felt like they had to add a new gameplay Mm -hmm. element into it to spice it up a little bit not Mm -hmm. just stick with like the plain old um rock man type gameplay Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think the idea of being able to slow down time or, or have more powerful shots is interesting because it's something that could be fun for trying to exploit the game and and get through it as quickly as possible but then hopefully the game's also built in a way where if you play it without doing it, it's fair and it's a fun challenge. And there's probably going to be something that'll reward you for playing it without using those gears. At least that's what I hope. Um, going back to how it looks, the one thing that doesn't quite sit right with me is his posture is just slightly too straight when he's running like i feel yep. like he needs to hunch over more like the old games that's what i thought from the beginning that's sort of Mega Man 8-esque as well like the way he walks just doesn't quite have the feel of the original Mega Man. that kind of betrays your feeling that you're playing old school Mega Man. Mm. yeah i mean i feel like eight was a little more rubbery because he had exaggerated like feet and hands and it was pixel art so this yeah this is kind of a weird hybrid of that Okay, well, looking forward to the next E3. I hope that there are games for us to play this holiday season. I'm wondering if holiday 2018 is not going to be as big a year for games, or maybe the holiday season is going to be less important going forward. Yeah. Smash Brothers is coming out in December. (laughs) I'm going to be busy playing Trails of Cold Steel 4, and then that'll be a little bit earlier. That'll come out in September, and then hopefully when all the Western games come out in October and later... I'll be mostly done with playing Trails of Cold Steel 4, and we can get to work on those. Yep. Forza Horizon 4 for me, and uh, and Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming. Don't forget that. I'm probably most excited for Bloodstained still. Oh, yeah. I still think that it looks very similar to Symphony of the Night, and that's mostly a good thing. I mean, it was interesting now that we've played the 8-bit style Curse of the Moon how the level designs seem a lot more open and empty in the main Bloodstained game, and that's really similar to the difference between the older Castlevania games and Symphony of Night and all the portable ones that came after it, where in the older ones it really felt like the environments and the enemies came together to make interesting challenges, and with the newer ones there's a lot more just like flat corridors or towers where you're kind of just jumping back and forth. But still, you know, I, I love... Symphony of the Night and all the all the ones that followed after that and so I'm really excited it's been way too long since we've had a game like this so I'm I think it looks looks like it's the most exciting thing for me still yep can't wait to play that 
All right, guys. Until next time. Well, I think we're we're running out of steam. If you listen to all this, thank you so much for indulging us. Um, I'm sure you disagree with a lot of what we said. Tell us in the comments. Tell us that we're morons. We'd love to hear that. Yep. And hope you enjoyed uh, listening to this and, and that you're looking forward to a lot of the new games that got announced. Or, well, I guess they didn't announce very many. So, well, anyway, have a good evening. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs>